Well, hey, and, and you know, everybody is a winner in Jesus Christ, amen? And because some of y'all look tremendously nerdy, uh, we are going to bless everybody when you walk out. We got nerds for everybody uh, when you leave. Uh, Casey's is not going to get up on us. I just got an email today that Casey's are giving free nerd ropes away. Well, so are we. So we are, are handing those out. So make sure at the end of service you get those type of things. But I, I want to begin to share uh, as we're talking about this Christmas spectacle. Everybody say vision. You know, Christopher Columbus was discouraged and uh, because nobody was buying into his vision of sailing across the country or sailing across the oceans and trying to find a new world. And, and so he was so discouraged that he was walking around Barcelona, Spain, that area, and uh, he walked, he was thirsty, so he walked into a monastery and to just get a drink of water. And there was an old monk that was there who got Christopher Columbus a drink of water, and they sit down and begin to talk, and Christopher Columbus began to share his frustrations that nobody would invest in his dream. And that old monk just sat there and listened, and Christopher Columbus got his drink, and he rested up, and he went on his way a little bit, and he was still frustrated when he left, but that old monk was a personal friend of Queen Isabella, and he went to Queen Isabella, and he convinced the queen to finance Christopher Columbus's expedition to discover America. Think about it. The Discovery America started with a drink of water in a monastery. Everybody say God's timing. And then we go to Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, when he was a shop owner in, in Springfield, Illinois, was, had got some, some things in, and he was rummaging through some old barrels. And as he was rummaging through some old barrels, he came across a couple of older, big, large books that were Blackstone's legal commentaries. Abraham Lincoln started reading these legal commentaries that helped the common man understand law. And he took that and he started going to law school. He became a lawyer. It changed the direction of his life. It got him into politics. He became the president of the United States. He became the healer of the sore, as we know as the Civil War. And you think about all these coincidences. It just started with him rummaging in a barrel, going through a bunch of stuff. And he came across these legal commentaries. And through that moment, he changed the nation. Everybody say God's timing. Well, this Christmas spectacle series that we've talked about the last two weeks, this week and will end up next week, is about God's timing this Christmas and what God wants to do through your life and not only through your life, but when you begin to understand the timing of Christmas, how significant, when you understand the prophetic in the Old Testament and how that came into reality in the New Testament, that Christ wants to do the same for you. So in Luke chapter 2, we have the story of Mary and Joseph. They're going to Bethlehem. We're all, all familiar with that story. We're familiar with the story of the birth of Jesus. As we close out 2023 and we enter 2024, I want to talk about God's timing. I want to talk about how the Christmas spectacle, more than any other story, teaches us how God makes everything, the Bible says, beautiful in his time. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem, David's ancient home in Judea. You see, if we don't understand the prophetic, we miss what that's saying right there. 
He traveled from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, engaged, whom was now expecting child. And while they were there, the time came, the time came for her baby to be born. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. But when the right time came, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us, as we sang in that second song. For us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Let's pray. Father, we need to understand the significance 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago of God's timing to this moment right now. To this moment in our lives, Father, of where we're at. And Father, as we look at the Christmas story, how beautiful it is in your timing that, Father, that sometimes we get frustrated in our life. But Lord, it's a bunch of little pieces of the puzzle that make up the big picture. And Holy Spirit, I'm just asking you to show each person the big picture of Christmas in their life. To show them the big picture of Christmas in their life as you put the little pieces of puzzle of Jesus' life together and we'll understand and parallel that to our lives. Lord, let me be able to share that in a way that's comprehensible, that's understandable. In Jesus' name, amen. If you study Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, it talks about God's timing. And, and I didn't want to read it, but, but it also gives us an insight about God's sovereignty and the timing in our lives and what the timing of Christmas, not only 2,000 years ago, but, but in our life today. And I think it's interesting because the Ecclesiastes writer in verse 11 says, God has placed eternity in our hearts. Then every believer, every Christian... God has placed eternity in our hearts. And so the question is, have we settled where we're going to spend eternity? Do we know where we're going to spend eternity? But not only the significance of where we'll spend eternity, but the people that we're acquainted with in our life, that God has put eternity hearts, not just for ourselves, but for all those that are around us. See, the Christmas spectacle is about God becoming a person. Second, or Luke chapter 2, verse 7 says Christ was fully human. So it talks about the humanity of Christ, a human mother and a human son. Galatians 4, 4 talks about the divinity of Christ, that Christ was fully divine. A divine God being born in the flesh as a human, yet divine. The Christmas spectacle is about the Son of God becoming the Son of Man, so we that are the sons and daughters of men can become the sons and daughters of God. That is what Christmas is all about. But it all goes back to timing. Everybody say timing. And as we look back at Luke chapter 2, verse 6, God speaks of this timing in the pregnancy of Mary. Luke chapter 2, verse 6, the days were completed for her to give birth. The nine-month period had now taken place. Galatians 4, 4 says, and when the fullness of time had come. Don't miss this timing of God in everyday life, everyday occurrences. Don't miss the timing of God in the eternal plan, not only in Mary and Jesus' life, but the timing that affects your life. 
see, as we look at Mary's life, so many times we miss so many things because we give her such incredible credit, which she deserves. But what I want you to look at today is the timing of God in Mary's life at that moment was very inconvenient. Think about how inconvenient it was. When you look at the daily interaction of God in our lives, how many times has, have we looked at things and we've seen them happen to us and we say, God, this is not the right time for this to happen in my life. God, I want this to happen, but I don't want it to happen right now because this I've got going on. I'd like to accomplish this. I'd like to fulfill that. Have you ever been there? And God will ask you to do something inconvenient today, tomorrow, next week. Because, see, it's about God's timing and not about your timing. And I want to look at the life of Mary because she felt, maybe she felt that the timing of Christ's birth was bad because her marriage was not yet consummated. The Bible says they were engaged. What would people say? What would people do? And if you study the Old Testament law, she could have been stoned for being pregnant outside of marriage. Yet she had a husband that protected her. And so the timing of her getting pregnant at that moment was she hadn't consummated her marriage. The birth of the child would be an occupied territory. It wasn't at home. It, there was no security. The place was occupied by the others or the enemy. Not exactly a place that you would want to give birth to a child. The census had changed all their plans. She was going to have her baby in Nazareth. She was going to have her baby with her family and friends all around her, but the census roots them up, and they have to go to another place. And think about it. They were in Nazareth. There was a support system, but in Bethlehem, there was no support system. More than likely, Mary had never been to Bethlehem in her life. It was a strange town, a strange place, a strange people. She was away from her mom, her sisters, her aunts, her family, away from that support system. You would want around you, especially when you're having a baby in your first one, amen? Think about the housing situation. It was inadequate. They went to a room. They went to the inn, and the Bible says there was no room for the baby to be born at the inn inside. So they had to go to a cave. It's always amazing because the cave, uh, a manger was not a wooden thing, but it was actually hewed out of, out of stone. But I got thinking about how the housing situation 2,000 years ago in Jesus' life, but how is the housing situation for Jesus in your life today? Do you have room for him in your life? In short term, if you ask Mary about God's timing for the birth of Jesus, I assume she would say this is not the right time. But she doesn't. She just recognizes God's timing in her life. And I think that's what, what we have to do. We have to recognize God's timing in our life right now. What God is wanting to do in our life right now, despite everything else going on around. Because it applies to most of our lives that when God has done all kinds in our things, how many times have we said, God, it's not the right time, or God, later on, or God, when I clean myself up, or God, when I learn a little bit more, or God, when, when it's more convenient, or my kids are out of the house, or when I retire, whatever that is. And why do we say that? Why do we say that? 
Because these little inconveniences, these little coincidences have come into our lives are just a little part of an eternal puzzle. Everybody say timing. And see, we only get just one little piece of the puzzle. And if that's all you see, you shake your head and say, well, you know, this doesn't make sense. But when you begin to see all the pieces become together, you begin to talk and excitement begins to build and you begin to see things that, that in a special way that God's using this and that and connecting all those things together. And that's where a lot of us miss it when we read the Christmas story because we don't know how significant all these little, and they're not even facts, but these little truths are there. Because they show us that, that 6,000 years ago, God had all these little pieces he was putting together, working everything together. Romans 8.28 says the big picture, that all things work together for good for those who love Christ and for his glory. So in other words, all those things that are going on in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever it is, God is going to use those to do things to make Christmas a spectacle to people who are hurting and lost and confused. But when you start connecting the pieces together, and you start connecting the pieces together in your life. And you start connecting the pieces of your puzzle together with other people's lives. Suddenly you begin to see a big picture. You're like, wow, Christ is amazing, amen? And you start understanding what Christmas is all about. What Christmas is all, you begin to understand what Christmas is all about. And the Christmas spectacle really happens when we begin to see all these little pieces of puzzle of prophecy in the Old Testament come together to show us the whole picture, and we see it in the New Testament. But God's not done doing that. He's doing all these things prophetically in your life and these relationships and these experiences to do something great until he comes back. So I want to show you how God's timing is perfect. Everybody say timing. See, the Old Testament says in Genesis 3, verse 15, that, that the Messiah would emerge victorious. Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and sinned against God. God says, don't worry, I've got a plan. I've got a plan of restoration that God can restore a bridge to humankind. And this was 4,000 years earlier. And then it said in Genesis 12 that the Messiah would come from the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, and God spoke about Abraham and the descendants. And especially with what everything's going on in the world today with Israel and all that, this is very significant that you understand that, that, that the prophetic is, is out there and available. It said in, in Genesis 49 that the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah, the story where Jacob gathered his 12 sons together and he prophesied concerning the future. And he said, through my fourth son, through my fourth son, Judah, the scepter will never be taken out of your hand, which literally means the Messiah would be born through the tribe of Judah, the place where praise touches grace. The Messiah, the next thing said, would come from the house of David in 1 Samuel chapter 12. This, understand, this is a thousand years before Christ is born. The Bible says David in 1 Samuel chapter 12 wanted to build God a temple. And God said, no, David, you're not going to build me a temple because you're a warrior. But your son Solomon, a man of peace, will build it. And God saw the disappointment on David's face. And in verse 13, he said, David, it will be from your house and your lineage that the Messiah will come. 
a thousand years before. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 said the Messiah will be born of a virgin. Micah 5, 2, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. We just read that in the one-year Bible. Isaiah 60 and Psalm 72 says the Messiah will be visited and honored by the wise men, which we learned about last week. The Christmas spectacle in light of history, the timing was perfect. Everybody say timing. It's why Galatians 4, 4 said in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. See, we have to understand the historical conditions. Otherwise, Christmas is just another thing to us. you got to understand that, that the conditions were perfect for Christ to be born, that right before Christ was the born, there was a dispersion of the Jews. It says in the end times, there will be a gathering back of the Jews. But for Christ to come out, there was a dispersion of the, the Jews. And right before Christ was born, the Jewish people were dispersed throughout the entire Roman Empire. You think, why is that important? Why is it significant? Because God sent God-fearers and planted them in the Roman Empire for something that was about to happen. When Christian evangelism began after Jesus' ascension, it was through these God-fearing communities throughout the Roman Empire that the seed was first sown for about the Messiah, and they became hotbeds of evangelism throughout the Roman Empire. Listen, if the Jews stayed in Israel, the news would have never got out into the world about Jesus. Sometimes God is doing something in your life that has a bigger picture to get the good news out. Don't try to understand it. Just have peace of God to flow through. God's timing allowed his son to be born in the world at the right time because the people were all out there to spread the gospel. Listen, it breaks my heart when people say, well, I wish I wasn't born in Missouri. Man, you were born in north central Missouri for such a time as this. You're part of this church because for such a time as this, as we are touching literally the world. Man, don't miss God's timing. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. Don't allow yourself to be disabled. The Christmas spectacle is about God's timing. Don't be a pessimist and don't be negative because you only see the little pieces of the puzzles. But let me show you how these other pieces come together and you begin to see the big picture. It breaks my heart because we really don't understand Christmas because all we do is complain about the evil going on in the world. And let me tell you, there's evil going on in the world, amen? But great news because when there was evil going on in the world a long time ago, God sent his son. Well, now God's sending us. Think about it. There was a favorable legal environment. The Roman Empire was massive. They had conquered so many different nationalities, peoples, and religions. And the one thing is they were tolerant towards all religions with one rule. One rule in Roman law. That all religions and all sects had to proclaim Caesar as God. And when you study history, it worked with all the religions except the Jewish people who would never proclaim Caesar as God. And after decades of killing the Jewish people and intimidation, it came to the point where the Romans were so frustrated with the Jewish people, they said, you know what? We'll grant the Jewish people and their religion an exemption. They don't have to acknowledge Caesar as God. Everybody else has to. But not the Jewish people. And watch God's perfect timing. Right after they grant them the exemption, 
they don't have to proclaim Caesar as God. Here comes Jesus. Everybody say timing. And for the first 70 years after the death of Jesus, the Roman Empire could not distinguish between Christianity and Judaism, so they lumped them all together, and therefore Christians did not have to proclaim Caesar as God, and by the time that the Romans finally got around to realizing that Christians and Jews were different, Christianity had already taken root in the Roman Empire, and they couldn't pluck it out. Think about the recent Supreme Court decision, folks. The Roe versus Wade decision. What an incredible opportunity we have to save lives, not just physically, but to be able to strike while the iron is hot in, in the United States and around the world. Think about our Supreme Court justices right now that are more conservative. We have this incredible opportunity, and Jesus knew that you would be here at this moment. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you would be right here in North Central Missouri at Family Eye Fellowship to make an impact in the world. Everybody say timing. People are seeking answers. And we have to get bold and share the good news. Acts 1.8 says we have, have that boldness because we have the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. I don't agree with this guy, but I like this guy. This guy, Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, the heartland of America. I mean, they're, they're like proper, proper you come on, values. You know what I'm talking about? Well, at the State Department in Des Moines, Iowa, right next to the manger scene of Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, the Satanists put up an altar to Satan. And I love this guy. He must have got bailed out of jail. I think we should have bailed him out of jail. But anyway, I love it because they were interviewing him, and, and, they, and they, he said, well, you know, he said, I got so upset that I just went and decapitated their altar. And he said, my righteous indignation was so much, they said, then I just went and destroyed their whole altar. Come on, boldness. I'm not saying it, but come on, there's some truth to it that this guy, man, he, he got something that we need to get. It was a favorable political climate. Man, we're so worried about politics. But study the prophecy of Jesus and the good news coming out. Julius Caesar, there was more civil wars under Julius Caesar than any other Caesar. And he was assassinated 25 years before Christ. And Augustus Caesar came to the throne. And suddenly peace broke out in the entire Roman Empire for the next 200 years. And because of that peace, everybody say peace. All these things begin to happen. Instead of doing battle all the time like they used to do, they begin to build roads. They begin to build infrastructure. And those roads were safe. And those things became an opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of y'all have ever heard the, the Roman road on witnessing? You don't Google it. But you know what? We had a chance to stand on one of those Roman roads. You got the picture up there? This road right here is in Acts 16 and Acts 9. And you see Scott right there? So we were on it. This is the only road going through Albania where we were just at. And Paul walked on this road. Paul, I went back to it, and I, I covered 10 feet all back and forth to make sure I stepped where Paul stepped because <laughs> I wanted his anointing. But see, that would have never happened except in God's timing. 
and God took us there, and I was like, man, God allowed me to walk on the same. I didn't even know Paul ever went to Albania. But Paul walked, and my friend there, they baptized in the river because they said if Paul was there, he was winning souls and baptizing. And I thought, next time I go back, man, I'm getting baptized in the river if it's not cold. Yeah. <laughs> but see, 2,000 years ago, they made it safe to travel. They made it safe to fulfill the Great Commission. Don't look at the times in as negative that we live in, but how God is wanting to use you at this time to share his good news. Esther 4.14, they're going to kill all the Jews. And Uncle Mordecai told his, his niece, Esther, she said, he said, you were born for such a time as this. And what did she do? She saved the nation. Family Life Fellowship, you were born for such a time as this. It was a favorable cultural climate. If you go back to the Tower of Babel, up to the Tower of Babel, all the languages were the same. But because they were unified and they were trying to reach out and touch God, their motives were wrong, their hearts were wrong, so God messed them up and gave them all different languages. But from the time when Jesus was born... All the different nations spoke different languages. But don't miss the prophetic. Don't miss what God's doing now. Alexander the Great was a, probably the greatest world conqueror ever known. And he conquered the world and he established a common language among all the people that he conquered. That's why the New Testament is written in Greek. Because everybody in the modern world during that time spoke Greek. And guess what? The New Testament's written in Greek. And what did the people share? They shared Greek. Guess what? 2,000 years later, you know what the common language is in the world today? Anybody? English. Guess what we speak? We speak Missouri, but that's okay. But as Greek was the common language in that day, English is a common language. Man, we have the opportunity to share the good news like never before. And even if they don't speak the language of English, we all speak the language of the love of Jesus Christ to all the people around us. I got a, a note this week. It said, Dear Family of Fellowship, thank you so much for donating snacks for our emergency bags. We greatly appreciate your support of the Moberly School District resource coordinators, Kelly, Brooke, and Robin. Not only that, but this week on, on, on Friday, excuse me, on Thursday, we, we sent enough gifts for 700 inner city kids in Kansas City through KC Reach Church. Not only that, but we'll be blessing over 300 nursing home residents this week with Christmas gifts. Come on, it's just speaking, it's just speaking the language of love. Then lastly, as I close down, it was a favorable philosophical environment. Folks, people are searching for the truth. I walked by my, walked by the bank the other day at Citibank and across the street from the old dry cleaners. I saw a little sign in that, that demonic shop. I guess that's the only way I can say it. It said, uh, it said, whatever counseling, then it said spiritual life coaching. And I thought, oh, oh, come on. Come on. 
Think about Plato and Aristotle. They didn't have answers, but they did a great job raising questions. And 2,000 years ago, when Christianity came in, it was like a cleansing breeze in society. Because people are tired of the questions. They're searching. They're asking questions. The problem is, we've got the answer, but we're not sharing the answer. The answer is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Man. The people, we've got the answer. We've got the answer. And we're not sharing the answer. Why, they're asking questions. Look at the news. They're asking questions. Man, we've got to stop holding back and start sharing the truth boldly. Sowing the seed of Christianity. Man, the philosophical world has got it open. The fields are plowed and ready. But are we ready to plant the seeds? Because, you know, Joel said, thrust in the sickle and reap because it's the harvest. If you read in one year Bible. But isn't it sad? Jesus said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. It's time for the church to get out in the fields and sow the seed and water the seed and and, and fertilize the seed. And it's time to get the church to get out of there and share the good news. Everybody say, share the good news. Man, it's not about God's timing. No, it's timing is now to share the good news. The Christmas spectacle is about God's timing in our lives and us sharing the good news. Christmas is about God's timing, like the census and going to Bethlehem. See, the great thing about heaven is you'll begin to see how God used all these little pieces of the puzzle in your life for the big picture. Using the little things for the big purpose. In a couple weeks, I'll share a picture on the 31st of May, or 31st of, of December as we launch into Pray First. But it's so cool. My wife told me not to do it, and I use wisdom. I listened to her. But we were in Albania. We, were at, at the old, we met at the oldest mosque in Albania. 1492 is when it was established. 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean. 1492, the oldest mosque. Well, I had a couple of us had to go to the bathroom, so we went to the bathroom at the mosque because they had an outdoor bathroom. And, uh, but then I had my Pray First bracelet. And... Uh, so I found this crevice in the mosque and I crammed my pray first bracelet in there. And I said, let them every time they cross the threshold of this mosque, they experience Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And let me tell you how real this is. We went to a, a village, God's timing. Everybody say God's timing. We went to a village. Third time they'd ever heard the presentation of the gospel. Third time, Casey shared his testimony. A couple of them gave their hearts to Christ. That was on a Saturday. On Sunday, if you watch our online, all of a sudden there's a radical Muslim that is slamming us on our website during a live service. Yeah, it's real. But you know what? We share the love of Christ. And you know what they're going to probably be doing in about a week or two? They're going to be delivering goods to that village. It's on top of a mountain that's poor. 
again, sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Everybody say God's timing. Are there coincidences in your life? I think not. I'm here to tell you, the Bible says as a Christian, your steps are ordered by the Lord. And if Christmas tells me anything, God knows the timing. And his time is for you and I to share the Christmas story. The true aspect of the Christmas story. I want to close with this slide. The wrong decision at the wrong time equals disaster. The wrong decision at the right time equals a mistake. The right decision at the wrong time equals an acceptance. But the right decision at the right time equals success. The little insignificant things every day in our life that we don't think even matter, God puts them all together for his glory. Nothing stays the same. Doors open today, and options today are closed tomorrow. They're non-negotiables tomorrow. No wonder the Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. So all I'm telling you is this Christmas season is, man, don't miss the moment. Because God has a marvelous sense of timing. When Pastor Vitali was here from Moldova, and we're looking to go in June tentatively back to Moldova, I shared with him, I said, man, why don't you all, they don't really slam communism in Russia. And he says, Vic, we're concerned. He says, you need to come now because if Putin has his way, soon we'll be part of the Soviet Union again, and then it'll be closed. That's coming from a guy that lives there. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God's ready to do a new work in your life. And all the things that you've went through on the journey of life have come to this moment where you can reach out and touch God through Jesus. And Jesus will touch you through the Holy Spirit. And in God's timing, all I can tell you is what the Word says. And in God's timing, He says, tomorrow's not promised to anyone. Today is the day of salvation. On the 31st of December, we're going to celebrate water baptisms. That's an outward declaration of inward transformation. And if you're interested in being water baptized, let us know. But this moment right here is internal. It's vertical. It's between you and the Father. And the only way that you assure yourself of salvation is asking Jesus to come into your heart. And you pray a simple prayer like, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Jesus, I give you my sins, my failures, my mistake, my guilt, my shame. And if you do that from your heart, Jesus said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you pray that prayer right where you're sitting, then you'll be born again. And then when we get to heaven, we'll start seeing all these little pieces put together that on 17 December, 2023, 1614 Highway 24 in Moberly, like, wow, that was my moment. I said yes to Jesus. Just like my moment was Labor Day 1990 on Route M in Middle Grove, Missouri. I said, yes, Jesus. It's amazing what he's done in the last 29 years.
And I know it's amazing what he'll do through your life if you just surrender your heart to Jesus right now. If you surrendered your heart, you pray in that prayer. Fill out that connect card. Let us come alongside you. Think about getting water baptized. Everybody give those people a great big hand clap of praise. and.